0: Welcome back, folks! It's the Pound the Table podcast. I'm your host, the NF- always off-season NFL GM, Fred, and we have a great show here playing for you today. I'm pretty pumped about it. We're about as we record this a week and one day out from getting into some of the NFL action, the Thursday night football game between the Bucks and the Dallas Cowboys. So we're going to go through some of our season predictions and then some of our predictions for the award winners of the NFL season here. So. Pretty pumped about it. Uh, Been holding off on this one for a while so we can get as close to the season as possible. And as always, we got some of the recent NFL news and there's a ton of it. So we made sure we dove in uh, and extended that time out a little bit as well too. So let's jump right into it here. So the first big piece of NFL news that came down over the weekend, in my opinion here, is going to be the Deshaun Watson news. There's a huge rumor floating around that... uh, basically that there's going to be some movement on this. I know last week we talked about uh, there's a couple front runners, but it appears as though the Miami Dolphins are the the number one team in the running here. And the reason why this is so significant is I don't think we've ever seen a player like under this scrutiny uh, with with the, the allegations and the civil suit and just like unprecedented situation where he says he's not going to play for the team anymore. Even like get this type of opportunity Like uh, there's a team that might give up multiple first round picks here and he might never play it down it's it's it's, it's crazy to me we've never seen anything like this before uh, I think that the commissioner needs to throw him on the exempt list but what uh, essentially is happening is he's not so the Texans have two options here they can either carry four quarterbacks into the season or they can try to move him before the deadline or not the deadline but the 53 man cutdown. So it's it's almost like it's creating a deadline for them. So I'm very interested to see how this is going to play out this week and this next week or two here, uh, and if Miami actually makes a move like it's been reported, or if uh, Carolina even, or even Denver. But uh, nonetheless, this is, this is some groundbreaking stuff. This is stuff that we've never seen before come out of the NFL, and I don't know necessarily if it's a good thing. Uh, like I said, I'm not in uh, the business of trying to figure out what these allegations mean. But in terms of interpreting what it means towards the league as a whole, uh, this is the first time I've I've ever heard of this. So the next thing that I wanted to make sure we hit on here was another trade uh, that actually did go through this weekend was going to be the Sony Michelle trade. So Sony Michelle, the former New England Patriots running back, was traded to the Los Angeles Rams in exchange for I believe it was like a fourth and a seventh round pick. So that's that's pretty high compensation for a guy. I know he's a former first round pick. But I believe he's in the last year of his deal and giving up a fourth rounder for him. I think that's a pretty good haul for New England, especially since he wasn't going to play much for him anyway with Damian Harris and James White. And now Ramondre, excuse me, Ramondre, oh my gosh, I can't say it, Ramondre Stevenson really showing out in the preseason here. So Sonny Michel gets a new a new head, or excuse me, a fresh start here in Los Angeles. And I think this more signals is, hey, we don't have a lot of depth behind Darrell Henderson or Darrell Henderson. Let's get some somebody behind him that's a proven starter that can also, you know, take the workload off him a little bit. So I think Daryl Henderson's going to get every opportunity to, to hold that job down. But just in case he doesn't, Sony Michelle comes in, insert here, and now we have another uh, another quality backup here, another guy that can take carries for us in Los Angeles. And then the last piece of information that I wanted to make sure I hit on uh, in terms of trades here was going to be the Gardner-Minshew trade. So Gardner-Minshew, uh, former Jacksonville Jaguars quarterback, uh, basically was slotted into a backup role after they took J- Trevor Lawrence. Uh, Tre- Urban Meyer basically said that it was a quarterback competition, but I think we all knew right off the bat that this was not going to be a quarterback competition. This was going to be uh, T-Law's job to lose here. So then end- they end up shipping out Gardner-Minshew. Uh, in exchange for a six-round pick, which, in my opinion, is a steal because you can get a guy that is probably one of, if not the top back up in the league and or, like, a replacement-level starter. Like, this is a guy that, I mean, I, there's a couple guys I'd probably take over him or, excuse me, take him over that are starters in the league. So now you get him for a six-round pick in Philly. Uh Philly, I mean, they got Jalen Hurts, but if for some reason you're not sold on Jalen Hurts, or if he comes out and he looks bad halfway through the season, now you can put Minshew in, see what he's got. Worst case, you just go and you go full tank mode, and you get back in the quarterback market, starting at the top of the, uh, excuse me, at the top of this next year. So Philly makes a big move; they get a guy that proven uh, starter capability at that backup position. Because obviously they ain't really, they weren't gonna go anywhere with Joe Flacco if Jalen Hurts gets hurt or if he, they have to move on from him. So good trade for Philly. I don't know if I like the compensation for Jacksonville. I thought they could have got more. I really thought they could have got like a fourth or a fifth rounder for them. I mean, quality backups are big time in this league. You look at around the league here. If certain guys go down, who's gonna step up into that role? Who's gonna take over? It's it's. It's a very scary situation, and Minchu could have helped relieve some of that pressure. So, uh, didn't like it for the Jaguars. Love it for the Philly. Uh, he's gonna be great in that fan base. Just hopefully he doesn't add too much pressure to Jalen Hurts' uh, plate. But it seems like there's not a lot that shakes that guy. It seems like he's pretty, he's pretty stone cold and uh, straight to the point. You guys love him there. So. In other big NFL news, uh, Jameis Winston also had won the starting quarterback job for the New Orleans Saints. And eventually the long play for Jameis Winston here pays off, and he gets to get another chance to prove himself. Uh, If you remember correctly, he sat all of last year behind Drew Brees, basically learning the Sean Payton system. And now he has won the job over Taysom Hill. So I I always thought that Taysom Hill was going to win this one. It seemed like Sean Payton wanted him to win it but just with how Jameis Winston's played this preseason, uh, he, he's been dealing it all over the field. He's been pushing the ball down the field. I honestly think that if they had Michael Thomas and Trey Smith and Adam Troutman was 100% healthy, this could, this could be a dangerous offense with the ability to push it down the field because that's basically the one thing they were missing under Drew Brees the last couple of years. He was kind of handicapped or handcuffed by a his ability to push the ball further down the field, so it'll be interesting to see what this looks like with Jameis Winston to see if uh, Sean Payton has been the quarterback whisperer to see if he's been able to coach some of those big time uh, interceptions out of his game. So Jameis Winston, QB one in New Orleans. In big time injury news over the weekend here, uh, the the main one that came across was going to be the J.K. Dobbins injury. The Starting running back for the Ravens, or who was slated to be the starting running back, second round pick out of Ohio State this past year in 2020, uh, ended up tearing his ACL after getting rolled up on after a screen pass this past weekend for the Ravens, and it's it's, it's quite the blow as as it seems as though with Mark Ingram leaving town, uh, Dobbins was slated for a full workload after being a second round pick this past year, and it seems like the the Baltimore uh, front office was very high on him, so. Hopefully he has a speedy re, speedy recovery, but it looks like they'll be without uh, J.K. Dobbins for the short term or excuse me the season here, and then Gus Edwards will be taking over that RB one role. And lastly, here with uh, the injury news, there was also one that came across that Trey Lance has a small chip in his finger and is expected to miss about a week. So this is interesting just because a lot of people were wondering if he'd be even in the in play to start week one. And I just kind of think that this route takes it right off the board. I mean, if he's going to miss a week or two here with a, a small fracture, small chip in his finger, I think that it's just Shanahan also kind of leaning towards Jimmy G in this situation. So my guess is we're going to see Jimmy G week one and maybe week two, three-ish. And maybe some package plays for Trey Lance where they can kind of put his athletic ability to the test and get him a couple throws to get him used to the offense. But nonetheless, it seems as though Trey Lance is going to be sidelined for at least a week, I think possibly even more. In extension news, coming out of Minnesota, we're seeing safety, or excuse me, all-pro safety Harrison Smith get a four-year $64 million extension. And the most interesting part of this deal I think it's gotta be the fact that Harrison Smith is 32 years old, and they said that this extension doesn't kick in until he's 33. So this next year, so that tells me that they plan on this guy playing for like three or four more years. And I don't want to say he's declining. He's still he's still a top 10 safety in the league, top 15, somewhere in that range. But he's just he's just not quite the the versatile chess piece defender on defense like he used to be. So I'm, I'm not exactly sure where. They're giving him sixteen million dollars a year for at this point, but nonetheless, uh, Harrison Smith cashes in and gets paid like he is still a top ten safety, top five safety. So as I'm recording this Tuesday night, there was some breaking news earlier today, uh, Tuesday morning, uh, when the first of the fifty three man roster cuts cut downs were starting to be published. Excuse me, published to the public. And Cam Newton was a surprise cut from the New England Patriots, and they named Mac Jones their starting quarterback for the 2021 season. So this is essentially the most dominating news that took over headlines here as of recent, just because everybody expected Cam Newton to be the starting quarterback here, and then the Patriots went out on a limb and took Mac Jones in the first round of the draft. At the time, it seeing him fall didn't surprise anybody, but Mac was expected to go much higher to be in the t- top 10 based on all the rumors that had been flying around. So at the time, a little bit of a surprise, not necessarily who drafted him, just a matter of where it was happening. So it was still expected that Cam was going to be, after signing a, a deal worth up to about 13 to $15 million this year, was going to be the starting quarterback. And turns out he is not. So there's a lot of rumors flying around where this is a a concern with him being vaccinized, or vaccinated. Excuse me and Bill Belichick didn't like that, didn't want to put up with it. It, That may have been a small factor in this, but, I mean, if you look at how Cam played last year, he was was not a starting caliber quarterback. And, honestly, we came up with that piece last week, and we mentioned that he he was the quarterback that had the most approved this season, and I stand by that. I still stand by that. He had the most approved this season, and by him not being vaccinated and getting thrown in the protocols – they they realized that he he wasn't he wasn't gonna be available. There's a lot of restrictions. He's there's a clear advantage to being vaccinated, which I'm not gonna say if that's right or wrong. But that's just one piece of the puzzle here. And when you look at all the reports coming out of their camp, it was just Mac Jones is lighting it up. Mac Jones is a big time unexpected leader. Mac Jones is as advertised, if not better. It was just all the stuff that was swinging Mac Jones's way. It just, it just seemed like Cam couldn't catch a break. And I actually heard someone today, I might have been on the Ryan Russillo podcast, saying that you know, Cam was loved in New England, and he was. He's loved everywhere he goes. Guys love playing with Cam Newton. He loves to have fun. They love his style of play, a real physical downhill type of guy, can sling it. He's just not the player that he used to be. So... New England made the decision to move on from him, and I can't fault him for it. It's It sucks just because I think Cam, had, like I said, he had a lot to prove, and I wish he could have had a chance to prove it, and he still might. Uh, hopefully he catches on somewhere where he's going to have the opportunity to get back on the field. I know Denver's been floated around there. Uh, I think you could see him even in somewhere where a quarterback gets nicked up here. Uh, Philly would have been a destination before they tra- or traded for Minshew in my mind as well. Um, New York Giants—is that out of the realm of the possibilities? Uh, Joe Judge is from the New England tree. Uh, if Daniel Jones don't pan out halfway through the year or gets hurt, you know, insert Cam Newton here. You know, uh, I'll, I'll be interested to see where he ends up picking up. But I think that that, that was a huge piece of news just because it was one of those dominoes that we just didn't quite know how it was going to fall yet, and now it appears as we have some serious clarity in that in that regard. So that's going to be it for the the recent news. I know we went a little bit longer than normal, just a lot of stuff popping up with this being the busier time of year. And uh, what we're going to get into uh, after this is going to be our season preview show. So we're going to go into who we think the division winners are going to be, what the playoff picture is going to look like. Uh, We'll pick our Super Bowl uh, game. Basically, we're going to try to predict it ourselves. And then uh, we'll also pick like MVP coach of the year and all that great stuff. So that's coming up next year. So hopping over to our season preview segment here, this is probably going to run a little bit longer. But uh, we're going to go through first our division winners, and then we'll go with who we have in our conference championship matchup. And then we'll give you our Super Bowl picks, and then we'll just roll right over into the awards part of the show as well, too. So once again, I apologize if we run over a a little bit longer than normal, but I just wanted to make sure we fit that all in here for you. So starting out in the AFC... Uh, I know we we did a little bit of a division preview here, and we'll we'll get back to that as, as soon as possible, so you guys get a little more detail on how we're how we're picking these games and get that published on our Twitter page there and on our website. But essentially, what we have is for our division winners. I have in the AFC East, I have the Buffalo Bills going sixteen and one and winning the division, having the number one overall seed, and I, I just love that pick. I, I think the AFC East is going to be stacked this year. I, I think Buffalo is going to be just an absolute juggernaut. They bring back, I think it was like 21 of 22 starters on both sides of the ball. The only guy that they lost was uh, John Smoke Brown going to the Raiders, and they replace him with Emmanuel Sanders, you know, just as good, if not maybe better wide receiver, better possession. So I, I think it's a huge move, another step in the right direction for Josh Allen. They get to keep their OSC and Brian Dabbel. Big time uh, steps coming for the Buffalo Bills. And then for the two seed, I have the Kansas City Chiefs at 13-4. and four. And I think uh, the only reason I have them at two and not one is they have a little bit more of a meat grinder to go through in the AFC West there. The Broncos are going to be better. The Chargers are going to be just as good, if not better again. Uh, it's just a little bit more to to overcome there. Their, their schedule is a little bit tougher. So like with the Chiefs bring, they're going to get that second overall seed. And then for the third overall seed and winning the AFC North, I have the Baltimore Ravens. So for the Baltimore Ravens, I think uh, they're going to fly a little bit under the radar here. They're going f- to be contending with the Cleveland Browns, I think, for the division lead. But I just think that the dynamic that Lamar brings and having all those weapons that they now have, and, and none of them are like top-notch weapons, you know, Sammy Watkins, uh, Rashad Bateman, uh, Hollywood Brown, Mark Andrews. But they're all very consistent. And when you look at how this offense is built, it's built around the running game. Yes, they lost J.K. Dobbins. In my mind, that's not as Im- impactful as like a guy like Lamar. So you unplug him and you plug in Gus Edwards. Not quite the same athlete, but still a, a very above average running back. So I think they're still going to be fine. 12-5 and 5 is my prediction for them. I think they barely edge up from the Browns for the AFC North lead here. And the last division winner I have is going to be the AFC, the AFC South it's going to be the Indianapolis Colts. So for the in- Indianapolis Colts, <laughs> I have them going 8-9. And, and before you laugh at me here, just just remember how bad this division is. You're looking at a guy that's leading your team. And I heard uh, Ross Tucker mention it on the Pat McAfee show the other day that Carson Wentz led the league in interceptions and sacks last year. That's That's a quarterback in my mind that's broken. Like, that's a guy that just is not making the right decisions he's not seeing the field fast enough there's just something going on there and now when you look at all these injuries that are hitting you're seeing Sam Tevy out for the year Eric Fisher's still not back from his Achilles injury uh T.Y. Hilton might you know miss half at least half the year here with this neck injury he's got and you got Quentin Nelson that might be sitting seeing some time lost and now you got a couple guys out on COVID so it's I just I can't get on board with them just with how bad the division is I could see a team that's 500 well you can't go 500 anymore so 8-9 9-8 winning this division so that's where I have the Colts they're going 8-9 winning the AFC South and getting that four seed in the playoffs since they're a division winner and with the new wild card format there's gonna be three wild card teams here and the first one that I have is the Miami Dolphins going 14-3 and I think the Miami Dolphins are absolutely loaded I think the only couple losses they may have this year is to the Buffalo Bills. So, I mean, when we're taking a look at this team, they're one of the best defenses in the league. They, they get a crazy amount of turnovers all the time. Uh, they were actually number one in the league in turnovers, and I think that's going to be a trend that continues. You see, they, they got Xavier Brown, they got Byron Jones, they got uh, Noah Abinagany coming back. They add Jalen Phillips to this pass rush. Uh, I just don't see a lot of holes on this defense. I think that's elite, and when you have an elite defense that's going to keep you in every game. Now, you can, you can point to Tua and say, well, this is a problem. Tua's been able to manage games his entire career. Uh, where he, you see him really take that next leap in college level was when he was able to push the ball down the field and be more than a game manager. Does he take that step this year? I'm not sure, but they're going to surround him with the talent that he needs. They got Jalen Waddell. They got Will Fuller, even though he's sitting in the one game. They got Mike Isecki. They got these weapons. Devontae Parker, it, the, the table's set for this guy. Like there's going to be zero excuses anymore, and I'm excited to see what he does. I'm, I, I want to see if he's going to fold or if he's going to rise up under the pressure, and I, th- I really hope he rises up because I think this Miami team could be very dangerous and actually contend with the Buffalo Bills. So moving on to the sixth seed, it's going to be another AFC East team here, and uh, the Patriots, the New England Patriots. So I have the New England Patriots making a big jump here. They go seven and nine this past year. Now they're improving to twelve and five. And I really actually attribute to a lot of that to the defensive side of the ball and what they added with uh, Matt Judon and company coming back. Dante Hightower coming back from COVID. Uh, Kyle Duggar hopefully can step into that Patrick Chung role. You just got you got pieces all over the place. You got Chase Winovich coming back. I just love what they did on the defensive side of the ball and what they have coming back. Now, Stefan Gilmore is going to miss some time, so hopefully they can get a couple of these young guys to help supplant him and I shouldn't say supplant him, but replace him while he's gone. And then when he joins the team after he's off the pup list, oh, excuse me, after week six, um, they're going to be a very formidable opponent, especially with that pass rush. Uh, Joshua, Jay, Chase Minovich has mentioned. Uh, Matthew Judon love what they got cooking here in New England and when you look at the offensive side of the ball I know Mac Jones is the quarterback and you know it's it sucks that we didn't have this information when I came out with uh the predictions but I'm not gonna let it I'm not gonna let it change my mind just because if Bill Belichick's making this decision he thinks that the team's better with Jones at the helm than he is with Cam Newton so they're gonna lean on that run game they got a whole stable of running backs back there Um, excuse me Damian Harris I don't know what's the problem here Damian Harris they got Ramon J. Stevenson they had James White they got just so many guys back there I mean it's just a revolving door you know pick a name out of a hat and that's the guy that's going to be the lead back that week and when you look at tight end they want to get back to their old way and run some more of that that 12 personnel where you're getting two tight ends on the field with uh, both John U. Smith and Hunter Henry if they can get them healthy at the same time here and then they add Kendrick Bourne to go with Jacoby Myers. And it seems like Nikhil Harry's kind of s- starting to catch some, uh, I want to say some steam here. He's, he, he had a pretty decent camp. He's starting to show out a little bit. He's starting to live up to that first-round hype that he had. So I'm, I'm kind of excited, excited to see what this offense looks like, to see, to see if it's any different than it was this past year, to see if it's more improved in any way, shape, or form. I think it's going to be, and I think they're going to go 12-5 and five and get a wild-card spot. And in all honesty, the seventh seed here is its a little bit disappointing for what you'd expect uh, for them to be here. But uh, I got the Cleveland Browns going eleven and six and snagging that last wild card spot. So a lot of people think the Cleveland Browns are going to be one of the most formidable teams in in the NFL. But when you look, they—they they got a, a meat grinder schedule with the AFC North. Like there's not there's no games that are coming free in the AFC North this year, except maybe Cincinnati. But the other three teams are going to beat up on each other and. If Baker even takes a small step back, that's going to be gonna be troublesome because they're really relying on the roster around him to be great in order for him to be good. So as long as those running backs stay healthy and Baker's even just an average quarterback and the defense is just even average, I think they can get to 11-6, which is still respectable. 11-6 is a tough team. And getting, in, getting into the playoffs is going to be the, the main thing here. Hopefully they can make some noise. So that's going to be the AFC playoff picture. Just a recap here, Buffalo with the one seed, Kansas City with the two, Baltimore with the three, Indianapolis with the four, Miami with the five, Patriots with the six, and the Browns with the seven. So right after that, we'll roll over into the NFC here. And in my honest opinion, I think the NFC is going to be extremely top heavy. And when you take a look at it, I think the one seed is going to, it's going to work out the best for the San Francisco 49ers. And I know I can contradict myself here saying that basically, oh, hey, the NFC West is one of the toughest divisions in football. You'd be correct. It is one of the toughest divisions in football. But also, the San Francisco 49ers have one of the best rosters in the NFL. They have maybe the best play caller in the NFL. And when they're all healthy, they have one of the best defenses in the NFL. So Nick is coming back. Uh, you get Raheem Mostert for a year to pair with Trey Sermon. You get Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle all back. They have... Trent Williams resigned to a contract. Great offensive line. They draft uh, Aaron Banks to help s- support that a little bit, too. They got Mike McGlinchey on the right side. Uh, I just, just love what they're going with this. Eric Armstead on defense. You got Fred Warner, all-pro linebacker. I just I don't really see a lot of holes here. Maybe a corner, but if if, if you've got a good pass rush, it'll help your, your DBs all make them look a little bit better. So I love what the Niners have on their roster. And it also helps you got Kyle Shanahan calling the plays. So I got them going 15-2 and two and being the one seed. And then at the number two seed, I have the Green Bay Packers going fourteen and three. Uh I think we're in as Pat McAfee likes to say on the show, for a Green Bay spite season here, you're gonna see Aaron Rodgers just trying to go off one more time in his in his last year, at least what I believe to be his last year here. And I mean they're they're still a pretty loaded team. I know their offensive line's a little bit shaky with Bakhtiari still being on the pup list headed into the season. But you're seeing a revitalized Aaron Rodgers, getting his guys back together, getting the band back together. Randall Cobb, Devontae Adams, uh, new Amari Rodgers coming in, input there. Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Alan Lazard, Robert Tanyan. I I mean, that's a a pretty solid stable, if you ask me. It's a lot of guys that Aaron likes, that Aaron trusts. So I think the offense is going to be just as formidable as it's been in the past, especially behind that rushing attack with Jones and Dylan. And what I'm curious to see is how the defense improves because they bring in Joe Barry, the defensive backs coach from the Los Angeles Rams. So you're going to see a little bit more of that like cover three scheme from the, like the Dan Quinn tree there in Seattle. But I mean, they're bringing back Jair Alexander, Zadarius Smith, Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary really came on at the late at the end of the year there to pair with Kevin King. And they bring in Eric Stokes, Excuse me, Eric Stokes to hopefully compete for that starting job as well in front of uh, Adrian Amos and then Darnell Savage as well in the defensive backfield there. So I'm really curious to see if they can improve off of what they had last year and kind of bottle up some of that lightning and some of that fuel that Aaron Rodgers has. And with the three seed, I have the defending champs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming in at 14-3. and three. And when you look at the NFC South, I just don't really think there's anybody that's going to threaten them seriously or be a serious threat to them. Uh, Atlanta is still the same team they were last year. I know they lost a lot of close games, but I just think that defense is so bad. There's nobody that I really consider outside of maybe Dante Fowler to be like a key piece on that defense, and he's not even really a key piece in himself. He's more of like a supporting piece. So I just think that they're going to have a lot of troubles, so they're not going to be able to compete with Tampa Bay. And Tampa Bay returns 22 starters here. Let's be serious. I mean, they're bringing back every single guy plus Giovanni Bernard for – a third down catching back. And we know how much Brady loves them guys, you know, see James White three, four years ago. So, I, I mean, they're hands down the the number one bet here, and they very well could jump up two spots here to be the number one seed, and I wouldn't be surprised. But, I mean, we're we're banking on a 45-year-old quarterback to keep doing what he's doing, and, like, a lot of people say, you'll never bet against Tom Brady. I won't do it. But I got them coming in the third seed 14-3. Four, and for the last division winner, uh, the NFC East, I have the Washington Redskins. And I don't think that's a, bit, a very hot pick, but for their record, I have them going 11-6, and six, which might be a little bit of a hot take. Uh, I really like what they did on offense. I, I loved De'Ami Brown coming out of North Carolina. I think he was a steal in the third. I would have took him around earlier not even b- batted an eye at it. But then you bring in Curtis Samuel, kind of like this gadget, jet sweep kind of guy, speed player, to pair with Terry McLaurin. And then Logan Thomas at tight end. And Antonio Gibson seems primed for a big year for them as well, too. So I'm just, I I really like what they got going on on offense and Fitzpatrick being able to sling it all over the field now with all these weapons. And when we turn our eyes to their defense, everybody knows about this defense. This front seven is probably, if not, is the best one in football. You got Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen inside, and then you got Montez Sweat and Chase Young on the outside. I mean, that's the best front four in football, if they're all healthy at the same time. And then you add it behind it, Jameen Davis, this this 4-4 inside linebacker that's 230 pounds at 6'4, that can run sideline to sideline. Sign me up right now. I'll take that every day of the week. Then they go and they add William Jackson, who was a, a pretty solid cover corner from the Cincinnati Bengals, to kind of round out this defense, to kind of Help support what they got. They got cooking here. I think it's is it Kendall Fuller is going to be the starter opposite of him. I believe as well too. So that's a that's a pretty solid defense, especially when you got that seven playing in front of you. And then for the wild cards, uh, the first wild card I have is I know a lot of people aren't high on this team, but I th- I think I'm I'm going to roll the dice on them here, and I'm going to go with the Arizona Cardinals at twelve and four, and I think the Cardinals have huge opportunity here just because. Kingsbury's gonna be on the hot seat and when you put a lot of people on the hot seat you put a lot of pressure on them they either fold or they they get up and they get after it and I think when you take a look at how they built this defense out I really like what they did after they lost Patrick Peterson instead of trying to go out and sign all these big money dudes they brought in Malcolm Butler who's kind of on the fence about playing this year but you got J.J. Watt you got Chandler Jones I love what both of them guys bring to the table. You got Isaiah Simmons, who's hopefully going to take a big step in his second year to pair with Zayvon Collins, who's a huge chess piece. You can put drop in coverage, you can rush the passer, you can play the run. I just really like what they got cooking on defense there. You build it up in the front, and you get some guys that can play on the backside. So hopefully they can hit on Marco Wilson or Tay Gowan or something like that that they got late in the draft to kind of pair them with, excuse me, Buda Baker. And I believe it's Byron Brian, Byron Murphy as well, too, who's playing the slot for him. And then on offense, uh, they, they love those four wide receiver sets. They haven't brought back Larry Fitzgerald, but who needs to? You have DeAndre Hopkins, A.J. Green. You have, excuse me. Uh, Christian Kirk, and then you draft Rondale Moore, and then Chase Edmonds, the 4-3 running back in the backfield, to pair with James Conner. I just think they got a lot of options in this offense, and I I just like what they're going to do. I I think that that defense could be really good, and if they're good enough to get out to a lead, that offense is just going to be able to put the ball all over the place, especially behind Kyler Murray, who really showed that he had what it took the first half of the year last year. The next wild card spot, and (laughs) surprisingly, it's going to be another NFC West team here. I got the Los Angeles Rams going eleven and six and snagging that wild card spot. And I, I just like I love Matt Stafford in this Sean McVay offense. He's Jared Goff times fifteen. He's he's a dude that can push the ball down the field. He's a proven competitor. He's proven in the fourth quarter that he can come back. He's he's played on so many bad lines teams that made them even just even moderately replace or competent. The Cam Akers injury does hurt a little bit. I wasn't that high on Cam Akers. I know a lot of people were. I think that was more volume based, but I mean, I I didn't hate what I seen from Daryl Henderson last year, and then they bring in Sony Michelle to be an insurance policy on him as well too. So I like that move. And then they bring back Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, uh, Van Jefferson to pair with apparently Tutu Atwell, who they really liked in the draft. And we know what they got on defense with Ramsey and Donald. That's going to be one of the best units in the league as it's been over the last few years, as long as Donald's going to keep uh, staying in town there. So moving on to the last wild card, I have the Seattle Seahawks going 10-7. and seven. So, yep, that's that's correct. I got four NFC West teams. So I think you know we're well, a lot of the the competition's gonna be this year. But uh Seattle Seahawks going ten and seven. I just can't see them losing more than seven games just because Russell Wilson is just gonna will them to wins on his own. Like he's he's just a guy that's just built to win. And when you look at the rest of this roster, it's nothing too impressive. The offense has some solid receivers with Lockett, uh, Metcalf, and then also the the rookie they brought in, Dwayne Eskridge. And then Chris Carson signed a deal to come back as well too. So I, I kind of like what they got cooking there. They bring Gerald Edward at tight end, but I just, I just can't see them losing more than ten. I know this defense is kind of le- weak, especially on the backside, but they bring back a uh, Carlos Dunlap to hopefully get some pass rush, add to what they have in that room there with uh, Bobby Wagner as well, uh, being the the All Pro perennial All Pro linebacker. So that's gonna round out the NFC. Playoff picture. So the once again, recapping: one seed is going to be San Francisco 49ers. Number two, the Green Bay Packers. Three, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Four, the Washington Redskins. Five, the Arizona Cardinals. Six, the Los Angeles Rams. And seven, the Seattle Seahawks. Okay. Now then, to dive into how we had the playoffs uh, shaken out here. So essentially, what we have in the AFC is your first round showdown is going to be Cleveland versus the Kansas City Chiefs. I took the Cleveland Browns over the Kansas City Chiefs, uh, mainly just because I think that, that roster is built to win late in the year. You're able to run the ball. You're able to control the clock. As long as Baker Mayfield doesn't turn that ball over, I think that they, they could have a real shot at making some noise and possibly upsetting the Kansas City Chiefs, especially after I see kind of what they bring back for the Chiefs at weapons. I think that the the Cleveland defense matches up with them really well, especially with all the the options they have at corner. And then the next game, I have the Patriots versus the Ravens. And I just think that the Patriots are close, especially having a rookie quarterback. They just can't quite get over the first-round hump. And I'm taking Lamar Jackson and the Ravens over them in the first round. And then in the last matchup, I have Miami versus the Indianapolis Colts. Once again, I, I said that the AFC South is going to be the worst division in football. They're 8-9. I just don't think that's going to be enough to to beat a team like Miami who's going to be 14-3 and, and they're going to be a juggernaut, I feel like, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So I got Miami winning that matchup. So that brings us to the second round in the AFC and that puts us, pits the Buffalo Bills against the Cleveland Browns and then the Baltimore Ravens against the Miami Dolphins. So I have the Buffalo Bills getting over the top of the Cleveland Browns. I just really think that they can get over the hump this year. I think Sixteen to one is going to be not out of the question for them. They're going to be able to just basically bolt race any team they want. And with McDermott and what he's done with that defense on the, on that side of the ball, it's just it's just been extremely impressive over the years. So I, I have the Buffalo Bills advanced advancing to the conference championship. And then in the next matchup, I have the Miami Dolphins versus the Baltimore Ravens. And call me crazy, but I'm 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 drinking the Kool Aid in Miami. I think. They are really impressive on the defensive side of the ball. And I think in the today's NFL game, turnovers are huge. They are a game changer. And when you get a lot of them, it's gonna it's really gonna help you win football games. And I think Miami's gonna do a lot of that this year. So I have them being able to handle the Baltimore Ravens and advance into the conference championship. So before we we announce who our Super Bowl pick is gonna be for the AFC, we'll switch over to the NFC side of the ball and walk through that playoff picture. So in the first round, I have the Seattle Seahawks against the Green Bay Packers. Uh, It feels like this has happened quite a few times in the last few years. But I just think that this is, I think this is Rodgers' year. I think, like I said, we're going to get a spite season out of Aaron Rodgers. And they're going to go into, they're going to have the Seattle come into Lambeau in the middle of, or at the end of December, early January. And I just don't think it's going to be the matchup that they think it's going to be. And the Green Bay is going to get what they want and advance to the second round. And then next up it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers versus the Los Angeles Rams. And I just think that Tampa Bay is just way too stacked to lose this early. Like they are literally built with the same team that won the Super Bowl handily. And I just don't think the Los Angeles Rams are quite as complete as they are. They get a better they get a better guy under center. They have the same defense coming back. I just I don't like how their defense rounds out compared to Tampa Bay's. So I have the Tampa Bay and Buccaneers advancing to the second round. And then the next matchup is going to be Washington versus Arizona. And I just think Washington is more built for the playoffs with that defense. And I, I think it's a you know it's it's a good step for the Arizona Cardinals. I just don't think it's quite ready for them to make their mark yet. I think this is enough to save Cliff's job, but it's not going to be enough to get the Arizona Cardinals to the second round. And I got the Washington Redskins going to round two. So then, in round two, we have the Green Bay Packers versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and then we got the Washington football excuse me the Washington football team against the San Francisco Forty Nine ers. I apologize if I had said Redskins before, just because I know that it's an offensive term here, but uh, <laughs> reverting back to old ways. So I apologize in advance but I have the Green Bay Packers advancing over the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and we get a we get a rematch of last year's NFC Championship game and I just think that Green Bay's built for this man like I said I think I think it's going to be their year so I don't want to advertise what I've, what I have happening down the road here but I just I think that there's going to have a, there's going to be a lot of revenge on the table here and I think they're going to get the bet they're going to get Tampa Bay's best shot and I just think that Green Bay's best Especially with uh, the reigning MVP under center, it's just gonna be too much for Tampa Bay. And then on the other side of the bracket, I have the football team versus the Niners, and I think the Niners, same as Green Bay, is just a, a very all-around great football team. They have possibly the best offensive mind in football going against the best defense in football, and this would be this would be actually be a very interesting second-round matchup in the playoffs. Uh, you, you get a young team like Washington outside of Fitzpatrick. This pit against the San Francisco 49ers and I think where we get the edge here is I think the Niners defense is better than Washington's offense so I think that that's where we're going to get the nod over here which is going to pair us up with Green Bay versus San Francisco for the conference championship and Buffalo versus Miami for the AFC championship so first I'll have I'll let you in and let you know that I have the Buffalo Bills going to the Super Bowl I just think they are just too good to lose. Uh, Josh Allen took a huge leap in year two, and, or excuse me, year three, and I think year four is going to be even even more. I like. I think this is like a bona fide MVP candidate, and I think if they go 16-1, and there's going to be some serious consideration there. So I have Buffalo Bills advancing to the Super Bowl, and I have them playing against the Green Bay Packers. And I just think Aaron Rodgers is an extremely motivated man. Like you listen to this guy talk. He loves winning. He loves, he loves competing. And I just think he's really going to see this as this his last dance. He's, he's, he's been on, he's been on the record on the, I don't know if it was the McAfee show or if it was one of the other interviews he did in his media circus this off season, coming back to camp. But he honestly thought that the last year was his last year. And you kind of see what he brought to the table for his last hurrah. And, I think we all kind of know like this is it this is going to be it so like what you're going to see just a whole new motivated individual and that's why I have them advanced into the Super Bowl and in all honesty I have them winning the Super Bowl I'm I'm taking the Green Bay Packers over the Buffalo Bills I just I really think that that defense is going to be a different kind of defense I don't think you're going to see as much high pressure high man coverage stuff you're going to see more conservative zone approach and let the the front seven get home so I think the defense is going to be better. I think the offense is going to be better. It's going to be more of Aaron. It's going to be it's going to be a beautiful ride off into the sunset for them. And I'm 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 really excited to see what they bring to the table. So I I know I'm a Packers homer. Uh, I don't even care. I just think that they're a really good team. And I just think that Rodgers is disrespected and not valued enough around the league. I think he's the best quarterback. And I think he's on another planet when he's really on. So. Uh, let me know what your thoughts are. Uh, let, let's hear your season predictions. Let us know what they are. Let me know if you think mine's absolutely nuts because I, I, I liked how this shook out. I did this months ago, so probably two months ago this offseason, and I would still stand by it to this day. None of these none of these predictions are going to be affected by any of the news that's come down recently. So make sure uh, you comment, let us know, uh, rate, review, and uh, then we'll get right over into the, the season awards. So rolling right over here to the uh, awards segment part of our podcast, where basically we're going to take a look at who we're predicting to win the NFL awards for the upcoming year. So that's going to be MVP, Coach of the Year, uh, Rookie of the Year, those kind of those kind of things, uh, Defensive Player of the Year as well too. So uh, we may reference some of the betting odds here, but that's not for gambling purposes or anything like that. We're just using it for uh, so basically for some context. And the first award that we're going to dive into is going to be MVP. So last year's MVP was Aaron Rodgers, uh, where he led the Packers to a 13-3 record, deep playoff run, all that kind of stuff. And this year, we are taking a look at the MVP. And obviously, Patrick Mahomes is the betting favorite. He's plus 5-75 to to win the MVP again. And honestly, he's going to probably most likely be a perennial MVP favorite year-to-year. So, there's no surprise there. Uh, where I find some interesting uh, value here is, especially according to how I have the standing shaken out, know, is Josh Allen. Josh Allen, I think, would be the MVP favorite. If the Bills go 16 and 1 and get the one seed, I think there's no way in hell um, Josh Allen doesn't win it. So, I think, honestly, that he'd probably be my pick to win the MVP. A close second to me would be either Matt Stafford or Patrick Mahomes. I think just with Stafford coming over and everybody finally seeing what he can do with McVeigh, uh, but only going 11 and 6 isn't going to get him that award. Uh, same thing, Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if sometimes voters get burnt out. They don't want to do repeats. Uh, Lamar Jackson, same thing there. Uh, I just don't think he gets the respect that he deserves. Uh, Dak Prescott, I don't believe, is going to have quite the season Josh Allen's going to. I I, I have the the Cowboys more as like a 500 team as compared to 16-1 with the Bills. So that's just the main thing there, especially if Allen can build off of his his third place MVP finish this past year. I think if they go 16-1, he's a shoe in so Josh Allen would be my pick for the MVP. Rolling right over into... Comeback Player of the Year, and this one I think this one's pretty simple too once we we break it down and we think about it so comeback player of the year i my pick would be Christian McCaffrey, and this is my reasoning, so if Christian McCaffrey only plays in two games last year, three games, and he was an absolute monster for the three games he played in even with the injury, so my thinking is. If he's even remotely healthy this year, and he plays in like say fourteen games, this is a guy that's a threat to put up a thousand and a thousand every single year. Especially considering that he only played two three games last year. If he can come back and build off that, I think that he's an extremely strong candidate, and his his ability to do that and his likeliness to do that, I think, is extremely high. So Christian McCaffrey is going to be my pick there. Seeing as he's like. A majority of the offense in Carolina. I know Dak's a very interesting option too. Uh, he was on quite the tear uh, last year, but with the oblique strain and all that, I, it has me a little, bit con- a little bit concerned with his ability to put a little bit of velocity behind the ball. So that's the only reason I, I would avoid that. So I'm going Christian McCaffrey there. For Defensive Player of the Year, uh, I don't want to <laughs> be too chalky here. But I'm I'm going to go Aaron Donald because just because I think he's an absolute force to be reckoned with on the defensive line. And basically it, what I'm thinking is I'm going to pick you to win it until you don't win it anymore. And he's won a couple of them back-to-back-to-back, to back to back. and he's still the best defensive player in football. It's basically prove me I'm wrong, and then once you do that, then we can start looking at other places. I know Miles Garrett's a favorite. I know uh, T.J. Watt has been in the conversation. I just, Aaron Donald's hands down the best defensive player. I'm giving the award to the best defensive player. And then Offensive Rookie of the Year. So this is a little bit tough just because it's mainly a quarterback award. And we take a look. There's going to be a few of these day one starters that are going to be rookies. And uh, we're seeing Trevor Lawrence. We're seeing Zach Wilson. We're seeing Mac Jones. Uh, you could see Justin Fields early. I don't know how many games he's going to miss out on, and I don't know how many games it's going to take for Trey Lance to get in there. So basically that narrows it down to these three players. And if I take a look at what's been accomplished here, and I think that the guys with the best ability to do so are going to be Mac Jones and Trevor Lawrence. I think the Jets are not going to be good this year. I think they're going to be very bad. And I think with Trevor Lawrence playing a very soft schedule in the AFC South and some very soft defenses other than Indianapolis, I think it's going to be very pro proactive to his case to win Rookie of the Year. But my pick is actually going to be Mac Jones, especially if the Patriots go 12-5 and five and make the playoffs. I think you're going to hear people beckoning from the crowds, from the masses, for Mac Jones to win Rookie of the Year. I just think that there's a lot of help around him. his situation's a lot better than these other guys. I just see him making that leap and winning the rookie of the Year award if they go twelve and five so that's gonna be my pick and then for coach of the year this one this is a little tougher just because i most of the time it's you see it go to the new coach who turns his team around and gets a big A big swing in games you know four or five games compared to what they won last year so when you add that criteria to the situations that are out there there's not a lot of options like you're not going to see uh brian flores win it if he wins 11 12 games compared to what the 10 11 they won excuse me the 10 they won last year just because it's not that big of a turnaround it's not that impressive it might get them in the playoffs might make them help take that next leap but it's not that impressive. You look at Stefanski last year. He took a losing Browns team and turned him into uh 11-5 contender. That's a big swing. So when I just take a look at the teams that could do that. I think uh, Atlanta definitely would be in play with Arthur Smith. I'm not a huge believer in them, but I know a lot of people are. I think the interesting one to me is going to be Brandon Staley. I think if Brandon Staley can even get this Chargers team just knocking on the door of the playoffs. You're seeing a team that was 6-10 and 10 last year. I think they could go 11-6, and 12-5, 10-7. I don't think that's out of the question. The only thing that I think is I don't know if that's good enough to get them into the playoffs. So he's my number two pick, but my number one option, I think, is going to be whoever whoever wins that NFC East, I believe, is going to be the one that really... Uh, sticks out in my mind as the the coach of the year favorite and that's mainly just because I don't think they're going to be as bad as they were last year I think these teams are improved you're not going to see a team go seven and ten or eight nine and win the NFC East I think this year I think it's more likely that you see a 10 win team out of the east 11 win team out of the east and I think that's going to win you the coach of the year because that's a four game swing that's getting you in the playoffs that's getting you one of the division uh, winner seeds and in my opinion that's going to be Washington and I would go with Ron Rivera I think uh what that front office has done and how Ron Rivera's coached them guys up I think that's going to make that him the favorite to win coach of the year so just a recap in here sorry about that my dog's freaking right out but uh Recapping here, MVP, uh, Josh Allen, Defensive Player of the Year. Aaron Donald, Rookie of the Year. Mac Jones, I'm going Coach of the Year. Ron Rivera. That's enough. And then, uh, Comeback Player of the Year, I'm going to go Christian McCaffrey. So, let us know your thoughts. Uh, Send us over on Twitter here or wherever you're viewing this podcast send a review uh rate review let us know what your thoughts are on the podcast let us know what your thoughts are on mvp uh super bowl winners super bowl predictions uh it's just a great time of year guys we're getting ready it's really vamping up uh next week uh we got some great stuff planned as well too so make sure you tune in Uh, we're gonna probably do our first week preview show where we basically lay out our new format and get into some of the stuff with uh, week one regular season games. So we're super pumped about it, and we appreciate everybody tuning in each week, if you have. And uh, just continue to do so. Hit that subscribe button. It's only going to get better.